and welcome to Freedom by Faith Ministries. I am Pamela Noel and I will be your host for today. Today we're going to be talking about one of my favorite topics in the Bible, spiritual warfare. In this world, there are exactly two kingdoms in operation. One, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, where Jesus is the king. And the second, the demonic kingdom of this dark world where Satan is the temporary ruler of this world. We're going to jump and get started. Um, John 12 verse 31. The time for judging this world has come when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. And so in this chapter, we learn that Satan is the temporary ruler of this world, but he will be cast out. And so the problem that we have is that most people, including Christians, have no idea that there is a constant battle going on in this world between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of this dark world. If you are saved by the blood of Jesus, you are automatically at war with the kingdom of darkness. And so when you are in battle, what do we need to win battles? We need to have our armor on. We need to have our weapons, right? And so God has given us the weapons to overcome the demonic world of Satan in this world. And so Paul describes these weapons. And so we're going to um, go next into Ephesians 6 verses uh, 10 to 12. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times. And on every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So what's important in this passage, not only does Paul give us every piece of the armor that we need to overcome the demonic um, world, the dark world that we live in, but he says very importantly in verse 10 in Ephesians 6, to be strong in the Lord. Our strength and power comes only from the Lord. And secondly, he says to put on all of God's armor which implies that even if you miss one piece of your armor, you will lose the battle against evil. So I will say verse 10 and 11 again, a final word to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power and to put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against some strategies, no, against all strategies of the devil. And so in this, um, talk. We're going to speak specifically about what are these ar uh, pieces of the armor that we have at, at our disposal and how do we use them to overcome evil in this world. So I wanted to start out with one story in scripture, which is one of my favorites, which we've all heard. It's just the David and Goliath story. And so what most people don't realize is that the story is not between uh, a fight between David and Goliath. It is actually a spiritual war. And so many um, of our 
um, Bible study classes, many of our school, uh, Sunday school classes, we teach that David defeated Goliath with a stone. And so I'm going to teach you today why that is not the case. Um, the battle between David and Goliath was actually a battle between good and evil. Okay, it was between a it was a spiritual battle between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of darkness. So before we get started, um, I wanted to also mention that everything that happens on earth happens first in the spiritual realm before it is manifest on earth. And so we're going to see why did David, why was David able to overcome Goliath? So the story is going to be found in 1 Samuel 17, 32 to 51. 32 to 51. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. This is the king of Israel at the time. I'll go and fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way that you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I will do it with this pagan Philistine too, for he has defiled the armies of the living God. Notice that he said that the Philistine, Goliath, has defied the armies of the living God. Okay, the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Notice that David is telling us that this is not a battle between him and Goliath, but he brought God into it. Right. So so Goliath is in opposition to God. So that is the war that that he is facing. It's not just David and Goliath, but it is a battle between darkness and evil. And the story continues. Saul finally contested. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor and bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I am not used to them. So David took them off. He picked up five smooth stones. So remember that, okay? Five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. So King Saul is giving David armor because that's what you need to go into battle, right? So, but Saul is giving David natural armor, right? And David said, I'm not, I'm not used to these, but I don't need them. I'm gonna take five smooth stones. So we're gonna remember that and come back to that. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him. So let's remember that. David is now in the battlefield with his five smooth stones. And now we find out Goliath's weapons. Goliath walked out toward David with a shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy faced boy. Am I a dog? He warred at David that you come at me with a stick. And he cursed David by the name of his gods. And so let's remember that Goliath is not in this battle by himself. So David has God and Goliath came with his gods. Okay. So we're going to read that again. So, so Goliath came on the scene and he says he cursed David by the names of his gods. 
Come over here. Now give your flesh to the birds and wild animals. That's another important point that we're going to go back to. What are these birds and wild animals that he's talking about? So David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And so here we learn that David is naming the weapons of Goliath. And he said, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin. These are the weapons that Goliath had on him. But David is not saying, I'm coming at you with stones. Notice that, right? He said, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. And so this is a battle between two armies. We have the army of, the, of heaven, where God is the king on the throne. And we also have the kingdom of darkness, where Goliath is coming, cursing his opponent in the names of his gods. And so now we know there are two armies battling. It's not just the Israelites and the Philistines. But now we learn that this is really a battle between the kingdom of darkness with the false gods of Goliath and the kingdom of heaven with its armies, where God, the Lord, is on the throne. Today, David continues, Today the Lord will conquer you. Notice he said, today the Lord will conquer you. He didn't say, I will conquer you. He says, today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle and he will give you to us. And Goliath moved closer to attack David, quickly ran out to meet him, reaching into his shepherd's staff and his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from his sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. And so notice that we know in the natural what happened and how David was able to conquer Goliath. But before this happened, David declared, he declared that the Lord will give you to me today. He did not say, I will take you down with a stone. He said, the Lord. Right. And so how do you take down a giant with a small stone? So David, David recognized that he wasn't going to take him down without God being on his side first. And so because the God of heaven, his kingdom is much more powerful than the demonic kingdom of Satan. That's why David was very confident, knowing that he will take Goliath down, but not with a stone, but because of his faith in God. So one other point I wanted to bring up is why did David and Goliath both mention animals, birds, and wild animals. In verse 46, David says, Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head, and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to birds and wild animals. So at the end of the story, we don't see that happening. So what does that mean? Why did David say that I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God, the God of Israel. So at the end of the story, that doesn't happen. And so we're going to see what 
is David referring to? Why did Goliath and David both mention birds and wild animals? What does that mean exactly? So we're going to turn to Psalm 91 verse 13. It says, you will trample upon lions and cobras and you will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. And so when this passage says you will trample upon lions and cobras, are we actually talking about lions and cobras? What does that mean exactly? So we're going to keep uh, learning about what do these animals represent exactly. So Revelation 19 verse 17. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, shouting to vultures flying high in the sky. Come gather together for the great banquet God has prepared. So we keep seeing references to animals, right? Vultures, wild animals that were mentioned in 1 Samuel 17. So now we're going to find out exactly what are these uh, animals, vultures particularly rep represent. So let's go to Revelation 18, verse 2. He gave a mighty shout, Babylon is fallen, that great city is fallen. She has become a home for demons. She is a hideout for every foul spirit, a hideout for every foul vulture, and every foul and dreadful animal. And so now we know that this is not really talking about animals and vultures, right? And so we know that in the book of Revelation, okay, we know that the end of the world, this is the end of the world being described here. And so we know God has created all things and he doesn't have any, um, he, he does not any, have any animals that he wants to come against, obviously. So this cannot be talking about actual animals. And so Babylon, we know, represents the world. The world is fallen, right? And it says that great city is fallen. She has become a home for demons. And we know that Satan in the kingdom of darkness, right? He is the king of the kingdom of darkness in this world. And so here it's saying that Babylon, which represents the world, has become a home for demons, a hideout for every foul spirit, a hideout for foul vultures, and every foul and dreadful animal. And so we know that God is making reference to demons, right? So Satan and his fallen angels, who are in the kingdom of darkness of this world, when God makes reference to vultures and foul animals, he is referring to demonic spirits who are the fallen angels that Satan works with to cause destruction in this world. So when David is talking about that in 1 Samuel 17, that I will give your dead bodies to birds, vultures, he's talking about demonic spirits because that's who they belong to. The kingdom of darkness, the demonic spirits and angels that work with Satan in this world. Okay, so now we know that the battle between David and Goliath is really a battle between God and the demonic spirits and Satan, who is the God of this world. These are the two kingdoms at war. And so as believers, we ought to know where is our place? Where do we belong in this battle? Okay. Another example, and then we'll move on to the next teaching point. Revelation 16, verses 13, 14, and 15. And I saw three evil spirits that looked like frogs. So here's another reference to animals, right? And I saw three evil spirits that looked like frogs leap from the mouth of the dragon, which we know the dragon represents Satan, the beast and the false prophets. They are demonic spirits who work miracles and go out to all the rulers of the world 
to gather them for battle against the Lord on that great judgment day of God the Almighty. And so we know at the end in Revelation, there's going to be a great war between the demonic kingdom of darkness, where Satan is the king, and the heavenly armies of God. And so here it's saying that the three evil spirits, they look like frogs and they're coming out of the mouth of the dragon, right? This is another reference of a creature, which we know represents Satan. And they are demonic spirits who work miracles. Okay, so now we know that the battle is not against people, right? It's not a person against another person. It is a spiritual battle between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. So we're going to find out exactly where do we fit in this battle? What is our role in this battle? And believe me, as a believer in Christ, you have a role in the battle. And so the next verse we're going to look at, Colossians 2, verses 13 and 15. This is Paul uh, talking to believers. And he says, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. For he forgave all of our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. And in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. And so we see now that Jesus died for our sins, but he didn't die for our sins only he died for our sins and in doing that he disarmed he took away the armor of the spiritual rulers and authority and so we know that satan is the temporary ruler of this world and that was the first verse that we read um, when we started and so here because jesus died on the cross and he rose again on the third day and he died for our sins in doing that he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities and he shamed them publicly so we know that the battle between darkness and the battle between darkness and the kingdom of heaven was won when Jesus died on the cross. And he conquered death and the grave. And because of that, because we are saved and our sins have been forgiven, we too have had the victory against evil. The next verse we want to look at, Ephesians 3, verses 7, 10 to 11. Ephesians 3, verses 7. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading the good news. So this is Paul talking. Verses 10 and 11. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so we see the same, um, the same reference to unseen rulers and authorities that we saw in Ephesians 6 when we talked about the battle not be, be, being not between flesh and blood, but between uh, evil demonic principalities, unseen rulers and authorities. Right. So here we find out that God's purpose was to use us, the church. So that is our place in this battle. God is using the church to display his wisdom, his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities. So Jesus died on the cross and in doing so, he disarmed the power of the enemy 
And here we find out that God is using us, the church, to display his wisdom to the unseen rulers and authorities, which we now know are the demonic principalities who govern this earth, the dark kingdom. So as ambassadors and representatives of Christ, we are to demonstrate and showcase Jesus' victory on the cross over Satan and the demonic principalities, um, knowing that we have been saved by the blood of Jesus and we are now have been translated into the kingdom of heaven. 1 Corinthians 1 verses 18, 19, 24, and 25. So we just read in Ephesians 3 that God is using the church to display his wisdom to the unseen rulers and authorities of this world. So what is God's wisdom or who is God's wisdom? 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18, the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction, but we who are being saved, it is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. And if we go down to verse 24 and 25, but to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So God's purpose, as we learn in Ephesians 3, is to use the church to display his wisdom to the unseen rulers and authorities of this world. And here in 1 Corinthians 2, we learn that for those of us who are called by God to salvation, Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. And so Jesus is the power and he is the wisdom of God. In verse 25, this foolish plan of God, this foolish plan of God, right? The cross, the death of his son to humanity might look foolish, right? But it is the very wisdom of God, okay? Verse 25, this foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. And God's weakness is stronger than the strongest of human strength. So if we go back to Ephesians 6 verse 10, Paul says, A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And so now we know the power and the wisdom of God is the cross. So in the next segment, we're going to look at a couple of examples of spiritual warfare in heaven and on earth. So the next um, verse, we're going to look at Daniel 10 verses 1 to 9. In the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia, Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, had another vision. He understood that the vision concerned events certain to happen in the future, times of war and great hardship. When this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been in mourning for three whole weeks. In all that time, I had eaten no rich food. No meat or wine crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. On April 23rd, as I was standing on the bank of the great Tigris River, I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like a precious gem. His face flashed like lightning and his eyes flamed like torches. 
So we know most likely this is not a person. This is not a human being he's talking about. His arms and feet shone like polished bronze and his voice warred like a vast multitude of people. Only I, Daniel, saw this vision. The men with me saw nothing, but they were suddenly terrified and ran away to hide. So I was left there all alone to see this amazing vision. My strength left me, my face grew deadly pale, and I felt very weak. Then I heard the man speak, and when I heard the sound of his voice, I fainted and lay there with my face to the ground. Just then a hand touched me and lifted me, still trembling, to my hands and feet. And the man said to me, Daniel, you are very precious to God. So listen carefully to what I, I have to say to you. Stand up, for I have been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up still trembling. And so we know this is not a person. So Daniel is fasting and praying because he's concerned about the war and the hardships that were going to come against the people of God, the, the Jews, okay? And so God sent an, uh, an angel, basically, to give him the message, okay? And so I'm going to skip through just to kind of, um, okay, verse 13. But for 21 days, this is the man speaking. He said, but for 21 days, the spirit prince. So now we know this is, these are spirit beings, okay? So these are not people that, that Daniel is seeing. So this man he calls, but it's not a man. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. So God sent an angel to speak to Daniel in terms of the prayer that he was, um, he was in prayer and fasting for 21 days. And the answer came um, from an angel. And he said, the spirit prince. Notice he didn't say a person blocked my way. Okay. He said, a spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, which we know the angel Michael, one of the archangels came to help me. So we know these are not human beings that are talking, right? He says, the archangel Michael, one of the archangels came to help me. And I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. And so basically this is telling us that the Jews are currently under the um, kingdom of Persia. And Daniel is concerned about what is going to happen to his people. And so he's praying and fasting for God to give him an answer so he can know what is going to happen to the people of God, the people of Israel. And God sent an angel, and while the angel is on his way to give Daniel the answer from God, he said a demonic spirit that is over the kingdom of Persia blocked him. And so an archangel had to come to fight against the demonic spirit prince of Persia to get the answer to, to Daniel. And so now we know that the demonic spirit principalities, which Paul talked about in Ephesians 6 when he said, our fight is not with flesh and blood, but it is, be, it is against demonic principalities in the heavenlies. And so this is an example of what that looks like. And so when we're praying and fasting for something, we have to always be aware there is a demonic kingdom above us. And so Daniel's prayer and fasting and his faith in God basically launched war in heaven between Michael, which is an archangel of God, and the demonic principality over the kingdom of Persia, which he called the spirit prince, 
right? In Ephesians 6, Paul says our fight is with demonic principalities. And so this is the, the spirit being who is over the kingdom of Persia. So when we're trying to find out why is there so much evil in the world? Why is there so much corruption in governments? So now we see an example, okay? The people of God, the Israelites, they are being oppressed by the kingdom of Persia. And now we know there's a demonic spirit prince that is in control of that kingdom. And so this is true today as it was back then. And so when we were praying against anything, knowing that there is a demonic uh, spirit behind it, uh, will help us to understand exactly why things happen the way they, they are and how do we pray effectively against the kingdom of darkness. In summary, today's segment was about just giving you an introduction to understanding spiritual warfare and our place in this battle that we are in. In the next segment, we're going to look in deep details every single piece of the armor of God and how do we utilize them to ensure that we overcome every spiritual battle that, that we come against. Are you ready to step into your calling and destroy fear, worry, doubt, and anxiety? In Our Victory, God's Glory, author Pamela Noel describes the stop and do nothing else principle that was used by some of the most powerful people in scripture, including David, Moses, Peter, and Daniel. This You Can't Help Yourself book reveals that success in every area of your life lies in one name. Our Victory, God's Glory was written to support Haiti's elite medical team, a Haitian-American-owned, not-for-profit organization that provides healthcare services to the poor in Haiti. Proceeds from the sale of this book will help support our efforts. The ultimate goal is to build a hospital and provide much-needed medical care services currently unavailable to those with limited access to quality health care. Available at Amazon, your local bookstore, or at Trilogy.tv.